This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's do this. Another day, another dollar, another edition of The Drive. You're listening to The Drive on 6 and Sports Radio, 6 and the Odyssey app. My name is Carrington Harrison. Very happy to be here with you on this Red Friday. Rob Brenton is here as well, taking you up until 6 o'clock. Let me give you a roadmap of what we have planned for today's show. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we'll be joined by the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. Dennis Gates will be on the show coming up in about 30 minutes to get you ready for Saturday's game against Kansas. We will also be joined by Eric Wood. He is on the Buffalo Bills radio network. Think of Eric Wood like Danon Hughes. He is going to be on the show coming up in about an hour and 15 minutes. As always, on Friday, we'll be joined by Nate Taylor of The Athletic, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get thoughts on Sunday's matchup against the Buffalo Bills. Coming up momentarily, we will talk about the top story and the breaking news. Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco is out for Sunday's game against Buffalo. That means this organization is going to be counting on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That means this organization is going to be counting on Jarek McKinnon to stay balanced against one of the better defenses in the National Football League and the Buffalo Bills. We got a lot to get into over the course of the next four hours, and we'll do that right after this. Pizza time on the drive. Dial me up right now. 913-586-7610. Call number six wins a pizza from our friends over at Pizza Tasio. Pizza Tasio is Kansas City's best New York style pizza, and they've taken over the town. They lovingly use 100% whole milk mozzarella with all organic tomato sauce, plus locally grown fresh ingredients made by Casey guys who know and love pizza. So Carrington, whether you want a whole pie or maybe just move for a few slices, be sure to visit them now at pizzatasio.com. That's pizza, T-A-S-C-I-O.com. I need you guys to do me a couple of favors. Number one, I need you listening to The Drive each day right here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com and the Odyssey app, and I need you to tell one friend. I don't need you to tell two friends. I just need you to tell one friend that if you want some of the best pizza in Kansas City at Pizza Tasio, then to keep it right here on The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. We'll get to the injury to Isaiah Pacheco coming up in just a little bit, but let's take a big-picture look at what this game means for both teams. If the playoffs started today, 
Kansas City would be the three seed in the AFC playoffs. They are one game behind Miami. They're also one game behind the Baltimore Ravens. If the playoffs started today, the Buffalo Bills are the 11th best team in the AFC. Right now, the wild card picture, it would be Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Houston. Right underneath that, you got Pittsburgh, Denver, Cincinnati, and then the Buffalo Bills who come in at 6-6. Six and six. This game is very obvious for Buffalo. Your margin for error is done. Losing that game early in the season to the New York Jets, losing a couple of weeks ago to the Denver Broncos, you have gobbled up a lot of your margin for error. And if you are going to get going, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you're going to have to beat a team that we perceive to be better than you. If you look at Buffalo's schedule down the stretch, On the road against Kansas City. Next week, they play the Dallas Cowboys, one of the better teams in the NFC. On the road against the Los Angeles Chargers. So you go from east to west. You play the New England Patriots. Not a good team, but that's also a team in your division that beats you earlier in the season. You also conclude this year on the road against Miami. This is no walk in the park if you're Buffalo. You're going to have to steal a game, whether it's against Kansas City or whether it's against the Dallas Cowboys. You already lost the road game two weeks ago to the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a game in which a lot of people believe that you outplayed the Philadelphia Eagles. What does that matter? You had fewer points than them when that game concluded. You lost that game, and now you're at 500. You got a bye week. You got a chance to get healthy. This is the healthiest that the Buffalo Bills defense is going to be. And having that bye week this late in the season, heading into the middle of December, is a blessing for the Buffalo Bills. So for the schedule purposes, it is very obvious how important this game is for Buffalo. You can't afford to be below 500 at this point in the season with how many competitive teams there are in the AFC you're probably competing for that sixth or that seventh spot in the wild card picture. You can't afford to dig yourself even more of a hole than you already have that now you're fighting. Buffalo's talent level shouldn't have you fighting with Pittsburgh, that team that was on Thursday night football yesterday. Shouldn't have you fighting with the Indianapolis Colts or the Cleveland Browns, but that's where you find yourself. It is go time if you're Buffalo. From the Kansas City perspective and what this game for them means on the schedule, We wear a great deal of pride and a badge of honor that the AFC championship game has turned into the Arrowhead Invitational. Now, that certainly is not impossible if you are not the one seed. You can be the two seed, three seed, and you can still host the AFC championship game. But obviously, the likeliness and likelihood of that happening diminish greatly if you don't get that number one overall seed. If you are trying to be the one seed and get that all-important buy and have the Arrowhead playoffs You're going to need to win this game. You cannot afford at this point to fall two back of Miami and Baltimore with four to play. I don't think that the loss last week really did anything negatively for Kansas City. You never want to lose a game, but Miami is going to lose a game at some point between now and the end of the season. Baltimore is going to lose a game at some point between now and the end of the year. I'm not sure if both of those teams are going to lose two games. 
So I think from a margin of error standpoint, you burned the loss last week against Green Bay, and now you got to get hot down the stretch, and you got to win five in a row to put yourself in that conversation. Because if you have the same record as the Baltimore Ravens, you get the one seat over them. If you have the same record as Miami, you get the one seat over them because of the head-to-head tiebreaker that you have. So everything is still right there in front of the Kansas City Chiefs. I would say that everything is still right there for the Buffalo Bills in terms of their playoff seating. And if Buffalo gets in, that's certainly not a team that I would want to see on the opposite end coming to town. But if you're Kansas City, it is now go time to have that one seed. If you're trying to make the postseason, it is go time for the Buffalo Bills. And if they're going to be able to be included in this year's AFC tournament, let's talk about Isaiah Pacheco and the injury. We talked about this yesterday. We all know Andy Reid's Motto, if you don't practice, you don't play. He didn't practice on Wednesday, didn't practice on Thursday. He did not practice today. He has now officially been ruled out for the Kansas City Chiefs in their matchup Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. The numbers say that when they have given carries to people not named Isaiah Pacheco, it has gone really poorly this season. Clyde Everett-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon are the two players that we think are going to be able to pick up the slack or asked to now with no Isaiah Pacheco. I know Daneric Prince is going to be there, but he hasn't gotten nearly the opportunities. He is the third running back, I would say. If you add up Clyde Everett-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon, you have 53 carries this season for 170 yards. You have one touchdown between the two of them. Clyde Everett-Alaire has 140 yards rushing and is averaging 3.5 yards per carry. Jarek McKinnon is averaging 2.3 yards per carry. They have not run the football effectively. If it hasn't been Isaiah Pacheco or Patrick Mahomes' mobility on a third down on a scramble play, making something out of nothing, they have not been a very effective run team. This seems very simple to me, at least when it comes to Clyde Everett-Alaire. This is a go-get-your-money game. We don't got to talk about the disappointment that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been as a first-round pick. But he is at that point in his career that he is a free agent at the end of this season. I don't know what the future looks like for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He didn't work in Kansas City's offense. If I'm another team, I'm thinking, hey, if Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes couldn't get the most out of you, how are we going to be able to get the most out of you, especially at a position that feels as dime a dozen as running back does? If you're Clyde Everett-Hilaire, and who knows if this is one week, two week, they were talking about Isaiah Pacheco potentially going on the injured reserve list and missing a little bit of time before the postseason. We don't know how the next couple of weeks are going to play itself out. This just isn't trying to help the Kansas City Chiefs. This is an audition for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You should be relatively fresh. You haven't taken a lot of hits this year. He has 47 touches this season, so he's not a guy whose usage is incredibly high. That now heading into the dog days, the winter, you got to go get it. You are a relatively healthy and fresh player at this point in the season. If you're trying to stay in this league and trying to pick up a second contract from somebody next year, You really need to go play well. And this could be the difference if you're Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. This could be the difference in you getting picked up in March or April 
are you being a guy who's going to have to wait around in the summer and wait for an injury to happen, and maybe you get that phone call during training camp? I don't think we can underestimate how important this week is and maybe the next couple of weeks for Clyde Edwards-Alaire and how this can be a major audition for him as he is heading into free agency. We call contract year undefeated. This is a potentially career year for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And maybe you're not in the NFL in the early part of the season. How do you respond? How do you battle back? Are you going to provide a boost and a spark for this team? If I had to guess, I think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be their running back, and I think that Jarek McKinnon is going to be their receiving back. They haven't really given Jarek McKinnon a lot of carries over the last couple of years, but they certainly have used him in the passing game. And do they use him in the passing game as an extension of the run game? And you're not giving him traditional carries, but he gets his 8 to 12 touches, and you figure out a way to be more creative about it. Rob, I know you and I have different opinions on the run game and how important it is. The Chiefs are not beating Buffalo, in my opinion, if the plan is to have Patrick Mahomes throw it 47 times and they're not going to have the balance up front. You're obviously not running it 20, 25 times with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon, but you need to get 11 decent touches from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You get between 7 to 10 really good touches from Jarek McKinnon. And out of those two guys and those 20 touches, can you get 90 yards out of both of them? Can you maintain balance? Is your offense not solely one-dimensional and relying on Patrick Mahomes in this wide receiver room to be special? The Clyde Edwards-Alaire emergence, I think, is going to be something to really track in this game. Also, we haven't really had that Jarek McKinnon game or usage the way that we did last season. We know that it's capable. They did it last year in this second half where he was one of the better receiving wide uh, running backs in the NFL the second half of the season. What version of Jarek McKinnon do we get? That's going to be a really big storyline and plot line for this game. We have talked a lot over the last year, year and a half about how the Chiefs are asking Patrick Mahomes to do more with less. And we usually use that when it comes to the wide receiver room, the weapons, etc. On Sunday, with no Isaiah Pacheco, it is the steepest hill Mahomes had to climb in regards to do more with less. Jarrett McKinnon has been battling injury. I know he's been bad this year, but he's been battling injury. He is going to be listed. I'm looking at the official thing. He was a full participant today. He will be a go despite being limited on Wednesday. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a former first-round pick by this organization. I get that, but... Considering their limitations, this is the penultimate week of Patrick go do more with less. And I'm worried we've seen the do more with less plan fail multiple times this season. Do more with less has been done in on multiple occasions this Kansas City Chiefs football season. I think the amount he has to do more with is too much to overcome on Sunday. You're right. Me and you disagree on the run game, but you have to have a semblance of a run game. You have to have something stand behind Patrick Mahomes. There's a reason at Texas Tech when he threw it 77 times a game, they were going 5-7 and seven in the Big 12. There's a reason for that. I worry you're going to see more Texas Tech Pat on Sunday. I don't know Texas Tech Pat can win games in the NFL. I just don't. This is the penultimate do more with less, and the less is real less for this game. I mean, I think the hope is if you were the Kansas City Chiefs, the best game that we have seen from Clyde Everett-Hilaire in his NFL career, it was against the Buffalo Bills. It was October 19th of 2020, week six against the Buffalo Bills. Clyde Everett-Hilaire had 26 carries for 161 yards. He also had four catches out of the backfield. They gave Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
30 touches in that game, and he was super effective. Does he still have a little bit of that magic? 2020, as you guys know, was a long time ago. I mean, that's really the last time that I would say that this offense really leaned on and really relied on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be that spark. There is a reason why they didn't release him, the money part of it. He's not making that much money this year. You had a choice this offseason if you wanted to move forward with him as your backup running back, especially when you handed the keys over to Isaiah Pacheco as him being your number one running back. You made the decision to keep Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on your team. You've made the decision to give him opportunities and give him touches and have him be a part of your offense. He is now RB1 again for this team. How does he perform? How does he play? If you get a solid effort from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think you can win this game. I think you should win this game. But if this offense is one-dimensional and we are talking about them having 14 carries for 31 yards in Sunday's game, I think it's going to be really difficult to beat this Buffalo team as banged up as Kansas City is. I don't know if you beat them if you're also one-dimensional and how you're going to be able to attack them. Coming up on the other side, we'll talk about Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback. We'll also be joined by Dennis Gates coming up in about 15 minutes. Keep it right here. It's The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. This is The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Chocolate Cake needs a good run game, good offensive line, needs elite weapons. I think that Chocolate Cake is a system quarterback. Brought to you by the Deep Esqually Moore Law Firm. Remember, Mike's got this. If you missed any of the show, catch up on the Odyssey app or at 610sports.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's George Karlaftis, and you're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Coming up in just a bit, we'll be joined by Dennis Gates of the Missouri Tigers as they get ready to travel to Lawrence, Kansas to take on the Jayhawks in Saturday's matchup. Earlier today, Mike Greenberg was all fired up on Get Up about how mean people are being to Josh Allen. I just need to say something. Oh, no. And I'm aiming this directly at my favorite people in the world, the staff of this show, the team that puts together this show. 
more or less. Jordan Love, how many touchdowns is he going to throw? Tyreek Hill, how many yards? Positive. Josh Allen, how many turnovers? <laughs> what a disrespectful <laughs> question for us to be asking about a guy who was playing, I'm going to say it, better than anyone in this league. Lewis, last week, I mean, I don't care what you guys have. I'm ripping this up. I'm ripping it up. Allie, think. I don't care what you had planned. No, I'm ripping it up. Change that. Okay, good. Here we go. I, last week, I'm off with COVID, right? I'm not yep, here, yep, and I'm yep, getting yep. texts from people. Oh, they're killing Josh Allen on your show over the interception <laughs> that he threw in the Philadelphia game. Yep. Let me say something about him. Uh-oh. Okay. There were 106 players in uniform for that game. Mm-hmm. Of them, by far, the one who played the best was Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. We focus more on the one bad play Josh Allen makes every week than the 60 that almost no one else in history possibly could. His team would be so bad if they didn't ask him to do absolutely everything. He is the most unfairly judged player in the NFL. And a quick final thought, and I'll give it to you. They're playing the Chiefs this weekend. If he had wound up on Kansas City with with Andy Reid and those guys, Uh we'd be talking about him as being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Fink. That was Mike Greenberg of ESPN talking about Josh Allen. I do agree that we spend a lot of time talking about Josh Allen's negatives, maybe in ways that we don't talk about other players' negatives. But it also is true that Josh Allen's negatives directly contribute to some of the problems that Buffalo has. I also think that Josh Allen at times looks like a player who has maybe peaked, so to speak. A couple of years ago when Josh Allen really really started to pop because Josh Allen had two, I wouldn't say disappointing years early on, but there was a noticeable jump in 2019. He completed 58% of his passes in 2020. He completed 69% of his passes. He went from 20 touchdowns to 37 touchdowns that puts you in the superstar quarterback. Now, since then, I would say that he has maintained that level of play, and he certainly has put himself in the conversation as one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. But I do think that it's really hard. If you're going to turn the ball over as much as Josh Allen has, in 2020, he had 10 interceptions. In 2021, he had 15. Last year, 14. He currently has 13 interceptions and 150 fewer passes than he did last year. It's just hard to win at a high level at this margin of error if you're going to turn the ball over as frequently and as often as Josh Allen does. And I think that's where the criticism for him really lies. I think all of us identify how talented of a player he is this year. There's no denying that Josh Allen, when he is on, when he is playing at a high level, Josh Allen is as talented as any quarterback in the league not named Patrick Mahomes. He looks like he's a quarterback that can stand up to Patrick Mahomes. We've seen the great game a couple of years ago, the 13 seconds game. I don't have to tell you guys how good Josh Allen is. He certainly is one of the better quarterbacks of this generation, but it's hard to win when you have 13 interceptions away that he does in five fumbles this year. You turn the ball over once, maybe twice every single game, and now your team has to overcome those mistakes. That's where the criticism, I think, really stems from when it comes to Josh Allen. I think Mike Greenberg hit this right on the head. This is a perfect breakdown by Greeny. I don't know if they have a segment over there called Greeny Breakdowns or whatever. This is I this is perfect. You said 
Josh Allen's flaws hold the Bills back. I think you're right, but we only talk about that as the reason the Bills are held back. We don't do it with any other quarterback in the league the way we do it with him. By the way, the Chiefs are eight and four this year, might be trending toward eight and five on Sunday, and might not be the one seed, might not make the Super Bowl. I don't have them winning the Super Bowl. And the conversation here and nationally has been, well, the Chiefs receivers are just letting Patrick Mahomes down. Well, hold on. Patrick Mahomes has a turnover problem this year. No one talks about that. He's having almost as bad of a turnover season as Josh Allen is, but we don't talk about that. We crush the MVSs and Sky Moores of the world. Those guys are letting Mahomes down. Meanwhile, in Buffalo, Josh Allen, ever since they fired Ken Dorsey, is being asked to be Superman. He's doing 85% of his Superman impression. They're losing games, and the only national narrative is, is Josh Allen letting the Bills down with his turnovers. I do think Greenberg's right. We talk about Josh Allen very different than we do other quarterbacks. The only other quarterback we talk about the way we talk about Josh Allen is Lamar Jackson. But because the Bills have been better recently... We talk about Allen more often than we do Lamar Jackson. But this is where I don't think that that's necessarily a fair comparison between the two. And maybe I'm being a homer on this point. Josh Allen has infinitely more help and more weapons around him than what Patrick Mahomes does. Like, if you look at the run game, I would say that the run game, based on the stats, are actually pretty comparable this year. James Cook has ran for 731 yards this year. Isaiah Pacheco has run for 770 yards this year. So Isaiah Pacheco might be a little bit better. He also has more carries this year. But I would say that if you look at the numbers, James Cook and Isaiah Pacheco have been very, very similar. We're not even going to talk about the wide receivers that you have. You've got Diggs, David, and you also have Dalton Kincaid. There's not even counting Shaquille, uh, Khalil Shakur, who's a very, very talented player. I also would say that James Cook is probably a better catcher out of the backfield than what you have for Isaiah Pacheco. It is not close to me in terms of weapons of what you have. You have, I would say, three or four really solid offensive pieces. That's not to count your own ability to be able to run the football. The two offenses that they're in, if you were talking about that Buffalo was asking Josh Allen to be superhero, what in the hell is this Chiefs offense asking Patrick Mahomes to do? Because you got him, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and the Pips. That's what you got, Travis. That's what you got Patrick Mahomes out here playing with. Put Patrick Mahomes in Buffalo's offense where you give him a legitimate number one, a legitimate number two, a really solid tight end, and you got some good secondary parts when it comes to wide receiver, and you also got a guy that can run the ball the same way you do with Isaiah Pacheco. The two offenses this year and the pieces they put around them are not similar to me. I just think we have gone out of our way as a national media to explain away when Mahomes has made errors and when Mahomes has done things incorrectly. I mean, Mahomes has 10 picks this year. That's, that's not just all, Oh, well, the receivers are bad. That's Mahomes is having a down year by every account, but the conversations are always, when will Mahomes get it going? Is he turning the corner? It's all in a positive light. Josh Allen, you're right. Has better weapons and is doing asked is Mahomes being asked to do more than Allen. 
But Allen is never spoke about in the same positive light. It's never, is he going to turn a corner and get back to what he was with Brian Dable? Can he get back to the runner he was and make that offense more dynamic? The question is always, why are Josh Allen's turnovers hindering the Bills? We don't ask that same question about another quarterback who is having a turnover problem this year. It's always in a glass half full light. When will he fix it? Where with Josh Allen, we say, why can't he fix it? Earlier in the week, you and I got the opportunity to catch up with Dennis Gates, the head coach of the University of Missouri, as they get ready for their matchup tomorrow against the Kansas Jayhawks. Our conversation with Coach Gates started with, what have you learned about your team through the first nine games of the season? Well, we have great depth, uh, a lot of new faces, but great depth. Uh, I think being able to be one of four schools nationally to win two road non-conference games over Power 5 teams is a great stat to have. Uh, but also it says that we have the depth we need uh, being able to play different guys, different lineups, I think causes a problem matchup wise. So I'm excited about what else is in store in this first month of the season as we've in, endured it, but also four game winning streak. And it's, it's what's worked for us as of late. How important was it as a program to schedule those couple of road games before you go into a place like Kansas, Minnesota, great home environment, Pittsburgh as well, but Allen Fieldhouse is a different beast. How important was it to play those road games before you went to Lawrence? I think when you think about last year's schedule, we had a lot of home games against uh, non, uh, lower lower major schools and mid-majors, and Kansas was sort of our first test. And, you know, that test came as a shock for us. So I wanted to put our guys in a different situation this schedule to give us uh, some unbelievable opportunities early, some great competitive games. We had Memphis at home, Wichita at home, but we were able to go on the road against Minnesota and then obviously uh, on the road again uh, and play a tough, a really, really tough game at Pittsburgh. Right now, we're talking to the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, Dennis Gates, getting you ready for the matchup between Missouri and Kansas. I was going to ask you about that. How much are the guys that were on last year's teams, the Sean East, the Aiden Shaw, the Nick Honor, how much are those guys talking to the new guys about the rivalry, about the intensity of it as they prepare for the matchup? I think when you have guys like Caleb Grill and uh, Tamar Bates and Aiden Shaw uh, right there as as in-state kids, they know what you know, it is, they've been to games there as recruits, but also you have to be able to understand your players are a year older. Noah Carter's a year older. Uh, Nick Honors a year older. And Sean East, who's playing tremendous basketball right now uh, for us, is a year older. And I think ultimately you got to understand maturation takes place. We not we are not who we were last year, and we want to continue to get better. And uh, the strong star from Sean uh, kind of tells you how much better he's improved in the offseason. I was reading a story, and I heard your press conference after the win against Pittsburgh that you and Sean East had a conversation, and he mentioned some changes that he thought in the starting lineup, and you listen. How important is it to have that relationship with one of your players where he feels like he can come to you with that and he feels like his voice is going to be heard? Well, my high school coach, George Stanton, my college coach, Ben Brown, allowed me to do the same thing and have a voice. And with that voice comes accountability. And every day uh, I was able to be held accountable in a way where my words would matter in a huddle with the team, with the coaches, and obviously behind the scenes. I've just uh, been able to share with you guys something, you know, more intimate as it relates to Sean East's uh, basketball IQ, but also the relationship I have with my players in terms of trusting them 
with what they see out there on the court. I haven't played a basketball game in over 20 years. So ultimately they see things a little bit different out there and you want your team to be a player led team. You want to be able to uh, put guys in leadership roles, but it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do. it, And I think that's an opportunity to practice true leadership development and Nick honor does the same thing. Noah Carter does the same thing. It's just a relationship that I have with our guys and they know how empowering uh, that experience could be. This is your second year as Missouri's coach. What did you learn last year about the rivalry once you got in the middle of it? Because there's one thing to be told about the rivalry coming into it. There's another thing to be on that sideline and feel the energy at Mizzou Arena. I was there. I plan on being there on Saturday in Allen Fieldhouse. It is just a different energy, a different environment. What did you learn about this rivalry last year? Well, I think when you look at the history of college basketball rivalries, it's one of the best in the in the country. Uh, when you look at the history of, of rivalries even existing, although a conference change has taken place, it's a game that's still circled on a lot of people's schedule, both from KU and both from uh, Mizzou. And the tradition of the program speaks uh, volumes for, for what's going on. The coaches that have walked the same sidelines, you look at the connectivity, you look at the, uh, you know, the split households where you have husband, wife, both from different backgrounds, maybe one from KU and another from Mizzou, uh, even siblings. Uh, ultimately, you, you look at it and you hear about it, you talk about it. But as a basketball educated guy, I've, it was one of the first things that not only our administration, but our previous coaches, Norm Stewart, Quinn Snyder, Frank Hayes, Mike Anderson, Kim Anderson, Conzo. When I first got the job, we spoke about how important that rivalry is to our basketball community and basketball fans. So I've been previewed to it uh, from day one, uh, but also before that as a guy that loves college basketball and as a coach is one that you've always seen and heard of. Coach, the last couple of questions here, and we're talking to Dennis Gates, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. When it's like 15 minutes to go to the game, like your last message before they go back out on the court, what are you telling your guys? What's your message to this team as they play in this very hostile, very energetic environment? I think consistently it's more so with what I say at the beginning of the week. Make sure you continue to have fun playing a game that you love, and what you give to it is what you will receive from it. Stay connected, but more importantly, you have to do it with your teammates. You can't win a basketball game by yourself. you got to do it all by giving your very best, and that's the only thing I ask my guys to continue to do, give their very best each and every day, and it begins in practice. That is Dennis Gates joining us on the show today. He is the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. Happy to catch up with him as they get ready to travel to Lawrence, Kansas to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. Coach, it's always a privilege to get a chance to talk to you. Thanks a lot for hopping on today. Hey, I'm very excited uh, to be on. I appreciate it. Again, we not only play at KU, we play Seton Hall in Kansas City. We hadn't had a game there for years. M-I-Z. That is Dennis Gates joining us on the show today as they get ready to take on Kansas tomorrow at 415 at Allen Fieldhouse. I went back through the box score of the last couple of games. It's not really something that I would do in my free time, but, you know, business duty called. Rob, they have been down double digits both times by the first media timeout when playing Kansas. I don't think they're going to win tomorrow. I don't know if there are a lot of Missouri fans that are picking them to go on the road and beat Kansas tomorrow. What is disappointing about how they've played in the two games is they haven't even shown an ounce of competitiveness. 
I don't know if this game is going to be close with five minutes to go and Missouri's down three with the ball and a chance to take the lead. They have gotten their doors blown off early, and it's never really been a game. And it's been a scenario in which Kansas basketball can laugh at Missouri. I think Missouri has shown a lot of development and a lot of progress as a basketball program. I would like to see that reflected on the court. It's reflected on the court against everybody else that they've played other than Kansas. Can this game be close for the first 20 minutes? Is there a chance that you can keep it close over the full 40 minutes or so? Because I'm looking at last year's game logs. They couldn't guard K.J. Adams. K.J. Adams played 32 minutes and was 9 for 11 from the field. They couldn't guard Kevin McCullers. He was 8 for 12 from the field. And Grady Dick was 6 for 11. Their three best players last season, if you don't include Jalen Wilson, and oh yeah, he had 24 in the game, were incredibly efficient from the field, and they have shown no ability to guard Kansas. They scored 100 points two games ago. They scored 95 points against Missouri. Can they guard KU this year is going to be the question, and it's going to be a tall task because I think that Kansas has the best college basketball player in the country in Hunter Dickinson. Last year is a little bit different because it was in Missouri Arena, but – I was at that first game when it, the rivalry returned to Allen Fieldhouse, and it was a different coach, different roster. I get that from Missouri, but that environment chewed up and spit out Missouri in four minutes. That was it was as much the team, Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji. It was as much the environment. You could tell that crowd being that raucous at that place had a Conzo Martin team shook, and they never they were staggering the minute they walked in. I'm not saying this is the only sign of progress, but can Dennis Gates and co come in and withstand that first Allen Fieldhouse wave? Because you and I both know what happens in most games is the crowd gets revved up. KU makes a few plays. The crowd gets super revved up. Can you withstand that wave? UConn on Friday night last week withstood the wave battle back. Can Mizzou withstand that wave and battle back? Because last time they were in Lawrence, that wave hit, and that team was done. They were KO'd at the under-16. I also think, I mean, they won't come out and just outright say it. I also think Missouri scheduled in a way to potentially help that. I mean, these were the games they played before KU last year. Southern Indiana, Pennsylvania, Lindenwood, SIU, Edwardsville, Mississippi Valley State, Coastal Carolina, Houston Christian, and Wichita State. Now, Wichita State is a legitimate opponent. None of those other schools are legitimate. It's one thing to go from you've been playing Lindenwood, SIU, Edwardsville, Mississippi Valley State, and oh yeah, now you're about to play Kansas, who was the defending national champion. Two completely different skill levels. This year, I think they scheduled in a way to kind of help the ramp up. You played Memphis early on in this year. You played on the road against Pittsburgh earlier this year. You played on the road against Minnesota. Now, I'm not saying that those programs are Kansas, Obviously, they're not, but they've been playing real opponents for the first eight, nine games of the season that I think they're going to be a little bit better equipped. Again, you're not winning. You're not going on the road and winning at Kansas. Like Bill Self has won 91% of his games. History is not on your side of winning this. Can you show improvement and really battle and really compete against Kansas and put yourself in a position where next year they come back to Columbia and then the next two games are at uh, the Sprint Center? You can win two of those games, I think. I think there's a chance you could win two of those three games. I think it starts with you just showing improvement tomorrow against the Kansas Jayhawks. 
Let's get back to the Chiefs coming up on the other side. We'll have our FanDuel Friday. We'll go through no Isaiah Pacheco. We'll tell you what Vegas thinks about Clyde Edwards-Alaire and also what they think about Jarek McKinnon. That's coming up. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with CDOT. The voice of Chiefs Kingdom, Mitch Holtis, joins the show every Monday starting at 4 o'clock. Travis Kelsey's on his own planet. When you look at it empirically, there is no way to compare him to anybody else. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk about who the potential X factor is in this game with no Isaiah Pacheco. If you guys missed the news, Isaiah Pacheco is not going to play in Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills. That means this team is going to be counting on Clyde Everett's Hilaire to step up, also going to be counting on Jarek McKinnon. I'll give you guys some possibilities. You tell me who you think could be the X factor in this game. We'll get to that coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Let's get to a FanDuel Friday. FanDuel Friday is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook app, and also the official sportsbook of 610 Sports Radio. All right, Rob, let me get to you some updated player props. For Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his over-under uh, over on rushing is 50-and-a-half. His over-under on receiving is 15-and-a-half. Jarek McKinnon it is not available, at least not right now, on what his rushing yards are going to be for Sunday's game against Buffalo. But we do have a receiving number for Jarek McKinnon at 17-and-a-half. I love the over for Jarek McKinnon in, re- in receiving yards. I don't think he's going to get a lot of carries. They've never really used him in the rushing game, but they do throw it to him out of the backfield. So could we see that Jarek McKinnon gets eight touches in this game? Maybe he has three carries, but they throw it to him five times and he's able to help you in the passing game. Of all of these, I would stay away from the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over under. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I would actually guess that Patrick Mahomes is going to be their leading rusher in this game. I can see Patrick Mahomes having 55 yards rushing. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has 41, and then you go from there. So I would stay away from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire altogether. Out of these three, what I really like on a FanDuel Friday, if you're telling me over on Edwards-Hilaire rushing yards, over on his receiving yards, or Jarek McKinnon, 17 and a half, I would take the over on Jarek McKinnon at 17 and a half. I'd be curious if they added Daneric Prince, what they would have his rushing yards and his receiving yards to be. Because I'd probably take the over on him at rushing yards just because I think his number would be so low. Man, all those numbers indicate that Vegas just doesn't think the Chiefs are going to run the ball at all. I don't think you're wrong. I think it's Mahomes as the leading rusher is a safe bet, but Vegas feels the way me and you feel. The Chiefs don't have a run game coming in on Sunday because the only thing that's changed, I guess Donovan Smith, but they've only changed two things when it comes to the formula to running the ball. And Pacheco, who is usually set at 78, 79, 80 for over under, is a 30-yard drop to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a precipitous drop. Vegas feels like, hey, the Chiefs aren't going to run effectively on Sunday. I do think McKinnon's interesting from the receiving game because they haven't used him in that way yet, but maybe there's a reason they haven't used him in that way. This game just has an eerie don't bet it type of feel, but those are some interesting numbers. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, if you want me to give you maybe a rush attempt prop bet that I really like, you can get the under on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 10 and a half rush attempts at plus 150. I don't mind that. 
Do we think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to get 11 or 12 rush attempts in this game? Just seems like a lot for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I can see them kind of spreading this around. If you're asking me a bet that I really like, under on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, basically under 11. Do I think he gets 11 or fewer? I would take the under on Clyde Edwards-Alaire at plus 150. That's probably the bet I like the most. Plus money for under 10 and a half rushes seems like the safest and best value bet on the board. That was a FanDuel Friday presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook app and the official sportsbook at 610 Sports Radio. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll open up the phone lines. I'll ask you guys who you think are going to be the X Factors for Sunday's game with no Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, this team really has three reliable offensive weapons, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, and Travis Kelsey. They're not going to have one of them. Someone is going to need to to step up. I don't know if you're beating Buffalo with just two guys unless Kelsey is having a monster day or Rasheed Rice is having a monster day. Someone is going to need to step up and be that third producer. I'm curious who you guys think it could be. We'll get to that coming up in just a bit. We don't talk about this a whole lot, and I get it because it was such a long time ago. But these teams are linked via the draft in very different ways. You guys know about the Patrick Mahomes deal. So the Chiefs moved up in the draft to the number 10 overall pick from 27. The Chiefs used that pick to go get Patrick Mahomes. Buffalo, in exchange, got the 27th pick in that year's NFL draft. A third-round pick was the 91st overall pick, and they also got a 2018 first-round pick. Now, they used Tredavious White, who has turned out to be a really, really good corner. He's just hurt all the time. Has he ever played against the Chiefs? I feel like every game going into it, we talk about how good the secondary is for Buffalo and that they're missing Tredavious White, and they're going to be really good once he gets back. Has he ever played a game against the Chiefs? Because when he's healthy, he's an all-pro, one of the top 10 corners in the league, but he is just very, very rarely healthy. So if you want to look at it, this is what Buffalo got in exchange for the Patrick Mahomes trade because they kind of did some wheeling and dealing. So Kansas City got their quarterback. Buffalo got uh, Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds, who's a really talented linebacker, Deion Hawkins at tackle, Zay Jones, and Syrian Neal. But that's how you pronounce his name. I mean, you got good players. I mean, the other team got the best quarterback of its era. But, I mean, if you make a trade for a first-round pick and you turn it into additional picks, you're not mad about what you turned it into. And then eventually, the next season, you went out and you got your own quarterback in Josh Allen. I mean, no one knew that's what you were going to turn it into when you, when you traded up for Patrick Mahomes, but you did that. The other thing is, Buffalo really wanted Trent McDuffie. You remember that draft. Kansas City moved up a couple of picks, and they moved up with the intention of drafting ahead of Buffalo. They got exactly who they wanted and what they wanted in Trent McDuffie because they had extra draft capital to play with. They had just made the Tyreek Hill trade, so they were really in the, we're going to go get exactly what we want. They really wanted Trent McDuffie. Buffalo then drafted a corner a couple of picks later. I believe if... Trent McDuffie was on the board. I think that Buffalo was going to take him, but the Chiefs jumped him and beat him. Those are just two trades in a couple of ways, Rob, that these two organizations are linked. They're obviously linked to the Patrick Mahomes trade, but we don't talk enough about the uh, Trent McDuffie deal and not that the Chiefs traded with Buffalo, but it was clear they traded up with the intention of getting ahead of a team that they were 100% going to draft the player that they wanted, and that team was Buffalo. It also makes it worse that, 
for Buffalo that they wanted Trent McDuffie. They didn't get him. They then drafted a corner in that draft who is currently on IR, but has been basically nothing for the team in Elam. He has been not the player they imagined, not the player they hoped. And if you remember that draft night, there was one of those like, you know, inside the draft room videos that came out where the bills and their brass were upset. The chiefs had gotten ahead of them. So twice in bill's history, they took a corner and the chiefs got their guy. And those two moments are linked in ever for history because Elam from Florida is not good, not nearly as good as McDuffie, just not good in general. And Tredavious White, who when healthy is a good player, is never healthy. And the Chiefs got the transcendent talent at quarterback. And that's nothing to talk about the link between Sean McDermott and Andy Reid, who are part of the same coaching lineage tree. There are a lot more connections between these two rosters than I think the average person notices. Coming up on the other side, we'll open up the phone lines and we'll take your calls. 913-586-7610. Who do you think is going to be the X factor in Sunday's game? This offense is going to need one offensive piece to step up. If you get a usual day from Rasheed Rice, you get a usual day from Travis Kelsey. That's not enough firepower. You're going to need a third player to step up. That third player is usually Isaiah Pacheco. He ran for 110 yards last week against the Green Bay Packers. You're not going to have his offense and his explosiveness against Buffalo, who's going to be able to step up? Who do you guys think is going to be the X factor and who can step in and be that third offensive piece for Kansas City? We'll go through the options coming up next. Keep it right here. It's the drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.